Um, I, I told my wife, I think it was about 4.30 in the morning and I didn't fall asleep until somewhere around 5.30 um, just last night, uh, really in preparation. And I'll say this, this has been the toughest time I've had really just kind of preparing for Sunday. Um, and I say that just to be transparent just for a moment because I'm excited about what the Lord has been sharing with me. Um, and in the excitement, I feel like, I don't feel like you put this on me, but I feel like there is a bar that if I don't, Lord, if I don't reach this bar, and I heard a great man of God say one time, he said, look, anytime you feel pressure, you're putting yourself back under your own works, back under your own strength. Learn to trust the Lord. Learn that at the end of the day, even if you don't think it will be enough, it will be more than enough. And I can say from this position, having done this for about four years now at this point, um, the times where there's some Sundays I go, I want to tuck my head and run. I don't want to see anyone's face when the service is over. And I just look at my wife and I go, that was a dud. That did not work. And then I'll get a phone call or a text message and someone says, oh my God, you don't know what you said to me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so um, I've learned and I'm still learning by the grace of God to trust that the Holy Spirit can speak to you while I'm speaking. And I want to encourage you that even though we do this every single week, don't let this become routine. Do not come in here and say, all right, I'm coming to hear a good word from Matthew Edwards because, man, he's good looking. And everyone said, Amen. and everyone who did not say it, Father, take their good looks, give them to me. No, I, you know, but don't, you know, I, don't, I don't just don't come to church just because, you know, oh, I like the way Matthew does it. or I think Matthew's a great guy. Come to church to see Jesus first and come to church to hear from him. If you come to church for any other reason, let me say this. You are missing the point. Uh, that's not, none of that's my message. Are you ready for the word? Let's do relationships. I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll dive right in. Father, we thank you this morning that first and foremost, you are here. And Lord, we say that every single week, but Father, I mean it now more than ever. You are here. And this morning in my weakness and in my being tired, I thank you, Father, that you are my strength. And Father, I ask that everyone that's here this morning, that no one would see me, that we would all see you, Jesus. And Father, I thank you that even though I have prepared something that I think is great, I ask that no one would walk out of here with what I have prepared, but with exactly what you would have for them. And as we behold your glory, Father, I thank you that you are transforming everyone in here. Whatever miracle needs to happen in our lives or in any relationship, Father, I ask that by your grace you would perform a miracle for everyone in here. And Father, anyone, anyone who is in an area of uncertainty or in a cloud that they can't see through, Father, I thank you right now in this surface. I release your peace in the name of Jesus over everyone that's here. I release your peace over everyone that's here. And Father, I thank you that the promise that you gave to Abraham and to his seed belongs to us. So where it seems like we take one step at a time, I thank you that the land before us is good because it belongs to us. And this morning, Father, we rest in you. We rest in you. We rest knowing that the work is finished. It is finished. And this morning we look to Jesus because Jesus loves us. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm excited. I went back and listened on our podcast, and I just went through like the first five minutes of every sermon, and I say that at least four times in every message. And I said, that gets redundant. I'm excited. But I am excited. That's number four this morning. So are you ready for the word? If you, if you have your Bible, can you open up to Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, I was meditating, just really kind of going, Lord, where do we start? We're talking about relationships. Where do we start? And last week, if you remember, we touched on value. Say this. Say, I am valuable. valuable. Say, God values me. When you believe that you are valuable, you will stop selling yourself short in every area of life. And the word of the Lord for us last week was this. Because many of us have seen other people more more valuable than ourselves, We have let go of some dreams. And last week, the word of the Lord for all of us in here was grab hold of that dream again and believe me for it again, because you are as valuable to God as his only son. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So we're going to start in Ephesians chapter six today. And I was tempted to go into men, go into women. But before we do that, did you know that every time the apostle Paul talks about uh, family life, you know, he always talks to the women first. Have you ever noticed that? I went to first Peter and Peter does the same thing. He talks to women first and I felt cheated. I said, Lord, the men are the head of the house. Talk to the head first. In Psalms, he says, I think it's in Psalms, in Psalms he says this, the, the, the anointing, the, the oil flows from the top down. Speak to the men first. And a great man of God once was expounding on that and he said, you know why? Because women 
have a greater discernment for what God is saying. And all the women said. <laughs> all right, you have a greater discernment than most men. And I am the pastor. <laughs> no, it is true. And you look at the story of Adam and Eve, and we're not going to do that this morning. We'll do that sometime in the future. But if you look at the story of Adam and Eve, when God created Adam, Adam comes into the garden and God brings the, the animals in front of him. And Adam starts naming the animals one after another. He starts naming them, right? But you never see Adam come around the tree of life until Eve shows up. Now, we know it was clearly an option God wanted man to choose from. Choose life or choose the knowledge of good and evil, which will produce death. Which one will Adam choose? And he gives him a choice, but Adam never shows up until Eve shows up. And once Eve shows up, all of a sudden, Adam has to make a choice. Now, we know that they both made the wrong choice. Hence, we are in the problem. We, we see a lot of the problems we see today. But suffice to say this, when you look at what God said, I will give him a helper that's comparable to him. And the word in the Hebrew comparable means this. Even when she disagrees with him, she is still for him. And all the men said, <laughs> thank you for that thunderous amen from the one and only. I got you, sir. Thank you. She is comparable. So even when she's disagreeing, she's still with him. She's still for him. And what God is doing is this. With Eve, her, her mission was to make him make a choice. And most men don't like making choices. This is none of my message today. When you go back and you look, God says to the woman, the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of Paul, says to the woman, wives, submit. And then he comes to, wives, submit as unto the Lord. I don't want to drop that. We'll cover that later. And he comes to the men. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. So he brings Jesus into the equation every single time. Are you with me? But then you ask, well, you know, what about this word submission? And in 2018, there's a strong movement away from the idea. God's idea of submission is not lay down and just take whatever comes your way. That is not submission. All right. But when you understand how true submission works, every time someone submitted to the will of God, God's orders, whenever they submitted to what God wanted, they always ended up better. And grace is for the one who says, I'll do what God says. Now, know this. God never tells you to do something that you're already good at. Thank you for that thunderous amen. All right. He never tells you to do something you're good at. He tells you to do something that will make you be humble. So when he comes to men, he doesn't say, husbands submit. Because men already submit. <laughs> men naturally submit. If you don't know, ask that significant other, let's go out to eat. What do you want to eat? I, we should record our conversations in the car. There have never been more fights over food in the Edwards car. <laughs> And when it comes to, what do you want to eat tonight, sweetheart? And she goes, I don't know, what do you want to eat? And I I don't know, what do you want to eat? What do you have a taste for? It's natural for men to say, well, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> it's natural. Now, none of this is my message. We're going to look at family dynamic this morning. But it's natural, and I'm, I'm only saying this because I want, to get, I want you to understand something. We're going, to look at the, we're going to look at God's structure for how things work, all right? Now, women have a natural inclination to lead. They're just good leaders. You are good leaders. And all the women said... You're a good leader, and you have to be. When you live with a man, you say, hey, what do you want to do? And he says, well, what do you want to do? You have to make choices for the family. Women are good leaders. Now, all that said, God asks you to do the very thing you're not good at. Because when you do that, you have to rely on someone else's strength. To submit to someone who does not deserve it, all right? To submit to someone who, in your own eyes, does not deserve it, takes grace, and it takes humility. But the promise of God is this. If you will follow me, I'll make sure that you are never taken advantage of. And everyone said, amen. amen. So we want to keep Jesus in the picture. It's never wives submit, period. It's wives submit as Jesus, as unto him. It's never husbands just love. It's husbands love as Christ loved the church. We want to put Jesus in the center of everything we do. And everyone said, amen. Now the beauty of studying relationships is this. One day I looked up the word abuse. Can you say abuse? Abuse. One day I looked up the word abuse and I found out that the word abuse is made up of two words. Now this is a powerful revelation. Are you ready? Abuse is abnormal use. Wasn't that deep? Thank you. That was deep. Abnormal use. Now why is that so deep for relationships? Because you know what happens? If I look at my wife and I say, Hey, I want her to do this, 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 but that is not the function or the position that she is supposed to have as a wife. I am abusing her. You understand? 
Likewise, if she looks at me as a husband and says, I want you to do a number of things that don't fit within the guideline or the plan that God ordained for me as a husband and as a father, how many know that is abuse? You are using that person abnormally. It happens in church all the time. You come to the pastor and say, pastor, do this, pastor, do that, pastor, do this. And that is not within the guidelines that God has given the pastor. And everyone said, thank you. Amen. (laughs) It's called abuse. Now, for example, I'm going to take this example from uh, another man of God. I'm going to use my Bible, which I love so much and uh, has been with me for the last 10 plus years. It only cost about, I won't do that to you. (laughs) Now, let's say I'm trying to put together um, this wonderful stool, right? Let's say I need to fix the stool that one of the legs is broken. I go buy some nails. I put a nail on top of the screw. I take my Bible because it's the only thing near me and I start beating the nail into the stool. Now, it might work a little bit, but at the end of the day, it will tear up what? The Bible. The Bible will pay the price. Are you with me? I am using the Bible abnormally. I am abusing the Bible. Do you understand? What happens when we abuse people? In the end, we might get some results, but they will pay the price. So it's to our benefit to study how God ordains things and why God ordains things. Now, in 2018, this is all just a setup. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk this much. (laughs) In 2018, let me say this. There is a strong push to step away from how God ordained relationships to be. Now, I'm not just talking about the dynamic between a husband and wife. Yes, the world is fighting that, but in every relationship, but especially in the household. What happens? A man is a type and shadow of Jesus, the husband. The wife is a type and shadow of the church. God has decided he wants to put a picture of Christ in the church everywhere you look. Are you with me? But the world, because of the influence, the world is beginning to change it. And they're saying, why does it have to be man and woman? Are you with me? Now, we're not here to call out sin this morning. I want you to understand. God wants your relationship. He wants all, not just your marriage, but God wants every relationship to be a good picture of Christ and his church. Are you with me? Now, I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about business relationships, friendships. God wants every relationship you have to be a picture of how God feels about you. So when people look at you, even before you say one word, they see the grace of God on you. And they say, I want the God that you serve. Are you with me? But let's look at relationships this morning, shall we? So Ephesians chapter 6, are you there? We'll pick up at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, real quick, notice we're in the New Testament, not in the old. And yet he's quoting from the old and not just quoting from the old. He's quoting a commandment from the old. Keep in mind, you were redeemed from the curse of the law, but you were never redeemed from the blessings of the law. Are you with me? Look at this. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. This is the promise for you. That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. What's the point of living long on the earth if your life is miserable? What's the point of living long on the earth if you're always laid out horizontally and you can never get off your bed and enjoy life? God doesn't want you just to have a long life. He wants you to have a good life. He wants you to have days of heaven on earth. And I'm going to show you that in just a moment. But God wants you to have heaven on earth. Are you with me? Now notice, how do we get this promise? Verse 2, honor your father and mother. My mom stepped out, so I'm going to say this real quick before she comes out. When we were kids, (laughs) when we were kids, she used to say, when we were disobedient, she would say, the Bible says honor your father and mother. I'll say it when she comes back. I love her. I love my parents. She said, honor your father and mother. Honor does not mean obedience. They're two different things. Honor means give weight. Give weight. Give value to something. So when my father and my mother say something to me, give value to what they say. They are my parents. Now, there are times as a parent of a two-year-old, I can tell you, I may not always have the right answers. I may not always tell them to do the right things. But as a parent, everything I say is done from love. And I hope that Parker will honor me by giving weight and giving value to what I say. Because when Parker does that, you know what happens? It will be well with him and he will live long on the earth. Now, some of you are older and you say, well, my parents have passed away. Listen, this does not say honor your father and mother 
parentheses, so long as they are alive. Thank you for that thunder. Say amen. This says, honor your father and mother so that it may be well with you. Even if your parents had passed on, honor them. What have they said to you? When you talk about them, what do you say about them? Because when you honor them, it will be well with you. Amen. Now, some of you say, well, you know, my parents, you know, they weren't saved. They, they said this. Listen, it doesn't say obey everything they say. They will tell you to do things sometimes, and in your heart you'll go, I don't think I should do that. I'm 31, and at this point I have to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean I dishonor my parents. I honor them and follow the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And the promise is it will be well with you and you will live long. Let's keep going. Look at verse 4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I'm going to move right along. You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Why does he say, fathers, train up your children in the admonition? Why not to the, why not to the mothers? I was talking with Christina this morning. You know why I believe? You know why I believe why? It's because it is a natural instinct for a mother to train up her child the best she can. It's natural. But it's not natural for men to go, I'm going to train up my child in the best he can. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my child. He's two. I love him. He's crazy, but I love him. <laughs> I'm just joking. I love him. And as much as I love him, I want him to be trained up. But the fact that God has to say this means it's not natural instinct for man to go, I'm going to train up my child in the way of the Lord. Are you with me? Now, at the same time, if I can learn to do this, if I can, by the grace of God, if I will do this, I'll find that there's favor on me to do it. And even when I'm tired, if I'll take time to train him up, and I'm going to show you in just a moment, but if I can take time to train him up, God will make sure that he gives me the grace and the strength to do it even when I don't feel like doing it. Are you with me? So let's keep going. Let's look at, oh no, what happened? Here we go. Let's look at Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We're going to look at the story of Abraham real quick. In fact, we're not going to look at the story. I just want to look at one segment in Abraham's life. I'm going to show you something really, really cool. How are you this morning? Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Now we're going to pick up at verse 17. And this is a cool story because Jesus appears with two angels and he comes to Abraham. Abraham sees him coming, the Lord coming. And I say it's Jesus because the Bible says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So the Lord comes with two angels. And when they come, Abraham rushes and says, come, come, sit in my tent and eat. I'll give you something really quick to eat. He goes and he makes a whole feast. So Jesus comes, he sits, he eats with him, and at the meeting, he tells him, verse 17, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now watch this real quick. I, and the, the reason why I'm showing you this is because I want to get to the point. I want to show you how God wants you to enjoy days of heaven on earth. All right? Look at verse 19. The Lord says this, For I have known Abraham in order that he may command his children and his household after him. That word command is just another word for lead. Now it's not every time something happens in the house I say, hey, no. <laughs> Iron fist. <laughs> I don't rule with an iron fist. The word command is not come down hard and heavy with judgment. The word command is this. I have known him so that he may lead his family. Now what happens when you're leading? When the boat slowly drifts to the left, you say, hey, look, let's correct it and go back this way. Are you with me? There's a difference from saying, I, I lay down the law and the judgment. When you step to the left, I'll punish you. No, God says, I've known you so that you can lead. Are you with me? I want you to be able to lead. But how does he lead? Not in his own strength. He says, I had to know him so that he would be able to lead. Are you with me? Now, the beauty of being saved is this. Long before you knew Jesus, Jesus knew you. You did not find the Lord. The Lord found you. We say, well, I, 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 was, I, I, I found the Lord in 1987. That's the year I was born. I found the Lord in, in, in 1987. You didn't find the Lord. The Lord found you. He wasn't lost. 
you were lost, all right? And so what happens is this, the Lord knew you even before you were in your mother's womb. But why does he know you? So that when the time comes, you can lead without having to bring down judgment every single time someone does the wrong thing. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> now watch this, that, that his family may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now watch this, the promise that he gave Abraham was contingent on something he never told Abraham until this point. Are you ready? What was the promise he gave him? You will be the father of many nations, right? And we always talk about righteousness by faith, and we will continue to talk about it. But there was one piece that the Lord had to do on his end so that the promise could manifest. Watch this, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken. In order for God to be sure he could fulfill his promise for Abraham, he said, I had to know you so you could lead your house. Are you with me? Your house is tied to what God wants to do in your life. Whether you believe it or not, your house is tied to what God wants to do in your life. I believe it is vitally important we make sure Jesus is in our house. Don't come to church and, oh, it's Jesus. And I play my gospel music on my, on my, in my car on Sundays. And then Monday to Saturday, I can't wait till Sunday because I done messed up this week. <laughs> now, if that's you, just look straight ahead. No condemnation, no guilt. Welcome to Center Church. We love you. All right. But my point is this. Did you know that the opposite of Abraham was his nephew Lot? Did you know that? And when Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, the two angels came to him and said, the Lord is going to destroy the city. Get all your family and run. Are you with me? Now watch this. When Lot went to go find his sons-in-law, sons-in-law means they were married to his daughters. And even though they were married to his daughters, his daughters were still virgins. Something's wrong. If you get married and you're still a virgin, something is wrong. And we know that Sodom and Gomorrah had some real issues. He comes to his sons-in-law and he tells them, God is going to destroy the city. And you know what the Bible says they did? They laughed at him. They laughed at him. What happens when we only talk about God on Sundays, but Monday to Saturday, God is nowhere to be found in our house? When the time comes and you tell your family, I need you to hear me because God is moving, they will laugh at you. Now, I, by the grace of God, I take that back. They will never laugh at you in the name of Jesus. All right? Talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. And when the time comes and you say, you know what, I need to move quickly, instead of laughing at you, they will take you serious. They will take you seriously. Are you with me? So don't be like Lot. Let's be like Abraham. Say this. Say, Jesus, you know me. So that I can lead my family. And you are fulfilling every promise that you've given me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, can I show you how to talk to your family real quick? Can I show you that? Look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy 11. Now, what are you supposed to talk to your children about? Oh, talk about the Bible. Yes, but let's, let's, let's go one step deeper, shall we? Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to pick up at verse 18. It says, therefore, the Lord says this, therefore... You shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. Today, if you go to Israel, they actually have little boxes, and in the box they have the law written down. And what they do is they take this verse literally. We must put it on our hand so they have a bracelet that keeps the law on their hand, Orthodox Jews especially. And then they have these nice little headband pieces that have a little box right here, and it's the law on the inside of it. So what they do is they took this literally. God says, I want you to bind it where? In your, I want you to... Uh, lay up these words of mine in your heart, in your soul, and bind them as a sign on your hand. They put them on their wrist, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. Now listen, don't go home and find something to put on your forehead and on your hands, okay? The, we pull back the veil to see Jesus. Are you with me? So let's keep going. Verse 19, you shall teach them, and I'll show you those words in just a moment. You shall teach them to your children, speaking. Can you say speaking? Speaking. speaking. How do you lead? By speaking. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now real quick, notice how many things are put in, I put in gold right here from verse 19 to verse 20. How many things are you supposed to do? He says, speaking, when you sit, number one, when you walk, number two, when you lie down, number four, when you rise up, number five and you shall write them. Wait, what did I, I did that wrong. <laughs> when you sit, number one. When you walk, number two. When you lie down, number three. 
when you rise number four, and you shall write them as number five. That's an interesting number, isn't it? What is number five for again? Grace. Grace. That means, and I'm going to look at this. Notice the things he mentions. He says, when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you're writing. Now, how spiritual is it to sit down? Thank you for that moment of revelation. It's not that hard. You just sit down, right? When you stand up, how spiritual was that? Oh, by the grace of God, shut them up. Oh, I'm up. Hallelujah. I stood up. It's not that hard. This is everyday life. God is not saying, in the spiritual moments, talk to them about the words I have given you. No. Make it part of everyday life. Everyday life. Make it a part of everyday life. The other day I was with Parker, and I have not arrived. I'll just use this as an example. I was studying this, and I saw this, and I said, you know what? I've done this in the past, but now I want to do more of it. So what I did was me and Parker were doing something. Um, that's what it was. I was trying to put him down to sleep. I'll use this example. I was trying to put him to sleep, and I turned the lights off because, you know, it helps a two-year-old go to sleep. But he doesn't want the lights off. Um, a couple months ago, he was in his bedroom, and the chair rocked, and he saw the shadow, and he panicked. Oh, turn the lights back on. So I said, we're not going to do that in the name of Jesus, all right? All right, so anyways, I was trying to rock him to sleep, and he likes the lights on. And so I turned the lights off. He screams, he cries, and Christina didn't hear it. And I said, if she hears him crying, she might try to come and save him. And I said, no, 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 we're going to do this one together. You and me, buddy. And he's like, Daddy, turn the lights on. And I said, Parker, Parker. And I calm him down. I said, Parker, look, do you know who's with us? And he's like, turn the lights on. I'm like, Jesus is with us. Oh, but Daddy, turn the lights on. I'm like, it's okay. Jesus is with us. Oh, turn the lights on. So I said, I'm going to pray in the spirit. So I prayed in the spirit for a little bit. He finally gave up. He gets tired. He starts to calm down. But I just kept telling him, Parker, Jesus is with us. And because he's with us, you don't have to be afraid. Now, I didn't have to go get my Bible, get my oil. Where are you, boy? Come on. Bring the communion oil. I love to splash oil on him. In the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. We didn't have to do all of that. What do we do? You just, hey, when you're sitting down, when you're standing up, when you're walking, make it part of your everyday life. Because if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you will turn them away from this. Are you with me? Now listen, I love the Lord with all my heart. I went to Christian school. I went to church every Sunday. I was there as much as I could. Uh, we had chapel every Friday. By the time I got to college, it was a Christian college. We had chapel every Friday. I just quit. <laughs> I just quit. Now, I had praying parents, and I had praying family, and I had people praying for me, and the Lord directed me back to his presence. But the point I'm trying to make is this. If you are not careful, all right, if you're not careful, you will turn them away from this. So don't make it, it, it has to be this deep, powerful moment. Just make it part of everyday life. Now, don't take this and say, well, all my children are going, I don't need this. Look, your children will always be your children. And what I'm sharing with you this morning, listen, they will always be your children. It is never too late. It is never too late. It is never too late to talk to your children, no matter how old they are, and say, you know what, I'm so glad that this happened because the Lord loves me. It doesn't have to be deep. This is the Lord loves me in everyday life. Now, why am I saying it that way? We have five different ways to do this. Five means grace. Be gracious. Be gracious. If your child looks at you and says, ah, whatever, that just happened because you know what you're doing or Jesus loves me, <laughs> you know, be gracious. Now, let me show you this. I put this word, put those two letters in parentheses. Does anyone know what those two letters are in the Hebrew? Does anyone know? Oh, come on. I'll tell you what they are then. Aleph, Tav. Hebrew reads from right to left. The golden letter on the right is Aleph. The letter on the left is Tav. Why is that important? Jesus said in Revelation, I am Alpha and Alpha is the letter A in the Greek. Omega is the last letter in the Greek. Aleph is Hebrew. Jesus probably wouldn't have spoke Greek to another Jewish man. He probably would have spoke Hebrew. So instead of Alpha, Omega, he probably would have said, I am Aleph, A. I am Tav, the last letter. Now we see the signature of Jesus in the Old Testament. When you see this right here, even in the Hebrew, the structure is this. You shall teach them Aleph Tav to your children. Now, why is it not translated as Jesus? Because the translators, the Jewish translators, did not know what Aleph Tav meant. So when they saw it, they just skipped over it. But if you have a good uh, Jewish Bible, you can see, you have a Jewish Old Testament, you can actually see Aleph Tav there, but it's not translated. But Jesus has unveiled our eyes to see that when you see Aleph Tav in the Old, it's him. 
That's his signature. So what is he saying? You shall teach them who? Jesus. Teach them Jesus. Don't teach your children Bible principles. The Lord will teach your children. But teach them about Jesus. Teach them about Jesus. Well, they must know that when they go, no, no, no. Teach them about Jesus. And when you teach them about Jesus to your children, speaking, speaking of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house. And watch this. And on your gates. Now watch this. Look at verse 21. That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied. In the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Did you know that this promise is linked to your family? Did you know that? This promise is linked to family. It is very possible to have a family and experience hell on earth. But the same is also true. You can also experience heaven on earth. And heaven on earth is reserved for the family. That's why I say, don't, well, my children are older, they're all grown. No, 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 no. They are always your children. They are always your children. And if you have a mother and father that's still alive, hey, you are still someone else's child. Well, my parents aren't here anymore. Honor your father and mother. Honor your parents. And you know what the beauty of this is? When you teach your children, when you teach your children about Jesus, when you teach them about Jesus, and I, again, age has no, no difference, makes no change. When you teach them about Jesus, God's promise is this. Your days and the days of your children may be multiplied. Multiplied. Your children can be great in life and die young. It's possible. But you know what? Your children can also be great in life and live a long life. No parent should ever have to bury their child. No parent should ever have to bury their child. And you know what? There's a story of a man we're going to see in just a moment who had to bury his own son. But the problem with this is this. When he had an opportunity to speak to his son, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And because he didn't discipline his son, children identify discipline with love. You may not remember because some of you has been a while. But I remember. I get so angry when they would discipline me. I hate them. But in my heart, when my parents set a boundary, it means they love me. It means they love me. When we discipline, it means we love. And they understand discipline as love. They understand the lack of discipline as no love. A lack of love. Are you with me? Let's keep going. Matthew chapter 3. I won't hold you up much longer. Matthew chapter 3. You know, the, let me say this while you're turning here. Matthew chapter 3. When you see God's blueprint, you are seeing the glory of God. How God wants it displayed. And the beauty of seeing God's blueprint is this. The struggle is this. In the world, there are all kind of relationship tools, relationship books, how to parent, parenting 101, parenting 201, parenting 501. You can get all the books you want. Let me say this. There are some really, really good books. I've heard. I haven't read much. Read some. There are some really good, especially on relationships. There's a lot of good information. But let me say this. When you come to church, not even when you're in church, when you're outside of church, if you listen to someone else talk about relationships, but they don't put Jesus in the equation, you are left in your own strength to make those things happen. I can tell every man in here, these are the steps to having a happy marriage. Number one, say this. Number two, do this. Number three, do that. And they walk out of here with everyone's got their list. And you can try to do all of them, but at the end of the day, only the Holy Spirit can tell you what to do at the right time. Are you with me? It's the same thing with parenting. I can give you the 10 steps to discipline your, how to, how to train up a child and all these. But let me say this. If you don't put Jesus into the equation, you are left in your own strength. And let me say this. We have no strength. We are all weak. <laughs> Everyone said we need the Holy Spirit to tell us what to do, when to do it, and many times how to do it. So the beauty of coming in here and saying, I want to see God's original plan. I want to see how God does it, how God intended it, is when you're looking at the glory of God, the Holy Spirit transforms you. He transforms your world into the very image of glory that you are beholding. So my prayer for all of you two weeks ago is this. As we come into this series, as you're just listening, just listening, that the Holy Spirit will produce whatever miracle needs to happen for you. So if you say, well, my children are old and my children are, are, are reckless or they, 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 say they, don't, they don't want anything to do with it. My prayer for you is this. 
as you are looking and beholding the glory of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is turning your children right now where they're at. Now you don't know where it will happen. You don't need to know where it will happen. You don't know how. You don't need to know how. You just need to continue looking at Jesus. Because when you look at him, the Holy Spirit goes and transforms everything in your world to him. Are you with me? One step further. (laughs) Do you know the first miracle Jesus ever did? What was it? Water to wine. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The first miracle under law, Moses turned the water to blood, resulting in death. The first miracle of Jesus Christ was to turn water to wine. And everyone got drunk and had fun. Now, Moses was in Egypt. Jesus was at a wedding. What is God trying to say? Before Jesus healed one person, and I say this carefully, please hear me. God wants you healed. God wants you healed. The majority of everything Jesus did was healing. God wants you healed. But long before healing comes, God wants your family life taken care of. God wants you to have days of heaven on earth. The first miracle had to do with a wedding. God wants to start with your family. He wants to start with your family. But the best way to do it is not go, we have to go buy more wine. The best way to do it is stop paying for advice and start saying, Jesus, turn the water to wine. And you know, there's some Bible scholars, they say this, even if Jesus had grapes, it takes years to have wine that good. And the one who was over the wedding, who had probably done many, many, many more weddings, he said this, man, I've never tasted wine this good. They always save the best wine. They do it at the beginning when people are less drunk. And then when they're drunk, they give them the cheap wine because they won't know the difference. You have saved the best wine for last. What does that mean? What it takes you years to accomplish in your relationships, Jesus can do it in just a few moments. Are you with me? So listen, whatever the miracle you need is, just come in and say, Jesus, I'm here to see you. I give it to you. I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how, but you are doing it. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 3. Now watch this. I said, speak to your children. Speak to your children. What are you supposed to say to your children? We've shared this before, and I'm going to move through this quickly because I want to come to the last one, and I don't want to take up much more time. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus, it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Wow. What does the Father say about the Son? This is the Son I love, and in him I am well pleased. Next verse. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now watch this. Jesus hasn't been tempted yet. He hasn't had one victory yet. He hasn't had one victory yet. That means the possibility of Jesus failing is still real. Are you with me? The possibility of Jesus giving in to temptation is still there. Don't tell your children you love them only when they succeed. Don't tell your children you're proud of them only when they succeed. Tell them before they go into the competition, I love you, nothing will ever change that. And I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And let me say this, no one carries words like a parent. No one. I don't care what all their friends say about them. If you as a parent will affirm your children, I promise you, I promise you, the words of their children will bounce off them. They will. As a kid, I was playing basketball. I can't tell you how many times I heard all, ty- all kinds of noise. People, oh, you're not this, you'll never be that. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm my heart, I'm going to be an NBA basketball star. It can still happen. <laughs> but I had parents that told me, we love you. We're proud of you. We are proud of you. And I'd go out there, try to make a layup, and I'd hit the, I wouldn't hit the backboard. I hit something. I don't know what I hit. No. I kept failing. But in my failure, let me say this. As a parent, when you speak to your children, no one carries weight like you do. Speak to your children. But what are you supposed to, what am I supposed to say, Pastor? I'll tell you what to say. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And don't wait till they won and don't wait till they lose. Do it before they do it. Do it before. What gave Jesus the power to go into the wilderness and win when it looked like God was nowhere to be found? 40 days, 40 nights, he's hungry. He could have said, God, where are you? But you know what happened? Instead of an angel bringing down food and water, he got Satan. Jesus 
turn these stones to bread. In his heart, he could have said, God, where are you? I didn't ask for this. I asked for you. I need food. I'm hungry. The Bible says he was hungry. 40 days, no food. And instead he got temptation. But because he knew that his father loved him, God declared out loud, I love you. I am proud of you. This, everyone listen, this is my son and I am well pleased in him. Because he heard that, temptation was nothing. It was nothing. Peer pressure cannot stand when you know that your parents love you. Peer pressure cannot stand when you know that even if you fail, their love will never change. Are you with me? Anyway, let me, let me, let me bring this to a close. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. You say, well, you know, let me say this. Teach your children the ways of God. Teach your children the, way of the ways of the Lord. But put a priority on Jesus. Because when you put a priority on Jesus, you know when Jesus comes to one man, he puts mud on his eyes. He comes to the next man, he spits. He comes to the next man, he just speaks. Comes to the next man, he, he touches. What's the formula? There is no formula. <laughs> it's him. He is the formula. You have to bring him into the room. That's why, listen, teach your children the principles of God, but put a priority on Jesus. Because when you put a priority on him, you can't give your children formulas. And everyone said, watch this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. But the Amplified says it beautifully. Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. As well, beloved children, and I love this, imitate their father. I love this so much. Because to me, this makes parenting so much easier. And I'm going to bring this to a close in just a moment. To me, this makes parenting so much easier. You know why? Because even though I fail, and I fail daily, <laughs> I know I fail. <laughs> even though I fail daily as a father, I can get it wrong 99 times. But if I can get this one part right, he will imitate me. All right? Now, he's only two years old, but I can tell you this. He will imitate me. Because I have a promise from God. When children know that they are loved, they imitate you. Even if you get it wrong 99 times, just let them know that they are loved and they'll imitate you. Let's keep moving. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. I was going to share a story of Absalom. I'm, I'm, I might not do it. I'll share it another time. Psalm 128. Let me close with this. Actually, do I have it up here? No, I don't. That's fine. We'll close with this. Psalm 128. Look at verse 3. <laughs> In fact, do you have your Bible open? Let's read verse 1 and 2 and let's, just, let's close with this. Psalm 123. I'm sorry, 128. Psalm 128. And we'll read this together. Psalm 128. Verse 1 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. It shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Now the husband said, Your children like olive plants. Verse 3, Your children like olive plants all around your table. And everyone said, Amen. Now real quick, I'm going to read down to verse 4 and I'll read the rest of it. Let's just read verse 4 and then we'll come back. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Now watch this real quick and we'll close. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine. What do you get from a vine? Fruit. Um, think about this. The vine speaks of grapes. What do you get from grapes? Wine. The promise of God is this, all right? God's, God's blessing for you is that your wife will become intoxicating. Now, that's an interesting word, intoxicating. You know what happens when you become intoxicating? You're not thinking about anybody else, all right? You know, what about wondering eyes? Did you know that in Deuteronomy, that is called the curse? A man's wife will go lay with another man, and a, and a wife's husband, he will go lay with another woman. That is the curse. But God's blessing is this, not just that you'll be faithful, not just you'll be faithful, but your wife will become like a fruitful vine. She will be so intoxicating to you that your eyes will never wonder. And all the women said, come on, that was good. All the women said, amen.
You will be a fruitful vine. Say this if you're a woman. Men, don't say this. Say, I am a fruitful vine because of the grace of God on me. And watch this. In the very heart of your house, and your children shall, your children like olive plants. Now watch this. What do you get from an olive plant? You get olive oil. And isn't olive oil interesting? Because what do you, what do you use to anoint kings with? Oil. Wow. What is God saying? Your children are going to be like olive plants that produce the very thing that makes kings and priests. Are you with me? Let's take it one step further and I'll close with this. Your children like olive plants all around your table. What do you do at a table? He has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You eat at a table. But when you bring olives to a table, you can't eat the olive. You have to crush the olive. Right? When you crush the olive, the oil comes out. When the pressure of life comes against your children, and it will, as parents, we want to protect them as much as we can. Give them Jesus, he'll take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. Give them Jesus, he'll take care of the rest. But when the weight of life comes against your children, they will be olives producing oil. Oil speaks of the anointing of the Lord. It speaks of God's anointing on them, God's anointing on everything they're doing. God has anointed you. He's anointed your children. And I say this by the grace of God, and I close with this. God has anointed you to be a parent. God has anointed you to be a parent. And if you're not a parent, you say, well, I'm not a parent. God has anointed you to be who he's called you to be. It's okay. There's some people who say, well, I'm not looking for, or for a spouse. Or, you know, let me say this. God has anointed you. God has anointed you. And again, the beauty is only to see what God has done. And when you see what God has done, he will transform the rest of for you. Now, this morning, I have a prayer for you specifically for this morning. In fact, I was meditating last night at 5.30 in the morning. You see how hard I work for you? (laughs) 5.30 this morning, I was still awake for you because I love you. See these stripes? (laughs) My wife is angry. (laughs) See these wounds? (laughs) She wasn't looking. Anyways, what was I saying? Oh, I have a prayer for you. So I, I was meditating. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm finally done. I got my last verse in. And I felt impressed from the Lord to pray this for you. Wherever you're at, whether your children are here, if they're not here, all right? Because I know we have some, some, some of the younger ones who are not married yet. Don't worry. They will come. Because God opens the womb of the, uh, all the daughters of Sarah and all the women said, you will be fruitful. All right? <laughs> you will be fruitful. Even if it's not, you will be fruitful. We'll leave it at that. All right? But in all that, I felt impressed from the Lord. Whether you don't have children yet, whether you have children, like me, there are two, you're going to speak over them. We're going to speak over them this morning. And if you're in the other group where your children are grown, like me, I'm, I'm grown. I'm a child, but I'm still grown, all right? Your children are grown. We're going to pray the same blessing over them as well. All right? Now, let me, this is my fifth closing, last closing. Did you know that the Jewish people, and I started doing this for Parker about two or three months after he was born. I would hide it from Christina because I was always embarrassed, but I don't care anymore. <laughs> when Parker was born, he, had, he would have these moments where he would just cry uncontrollably and wouldn't care. So what I would do is when he finally went to sleep, I would put my hand on his head. All right. And I got this from a, from a story in the Bible. I would put my hand on his head and I would say the same prayer that we pray every single Sunday. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. Now, if you don't know it, go look it up. And you don't have to say those words. It's not a specific word that's a formula. Forget formulas. It's not the words. It's the heart behind what you're saying. Put your hand on your children's head and just speak the love of God over them. Speak the peace of God over them. Speak over their life and say, you are a winner. You are a winner. And one of the things I love to say with him, when I'm holding him, he's going to sleep, I say this, kings will give into you. Kings will come before you to listen to the words that come out of your mouth. You will be great and mighty on this earth. I mean, speak life into them. And the best time to do is when they're asleep. Because they can't say, what are you talking about? Just do other sleep. Put your hand over them. All right, now if your children aren't home anymore, just stop at some point at night and say, Father, I thank you that there's no distance in the, in the anointing. There's no distance in the spirit. I speak right now over my children that the grace of God covers them, that the favor of God goes before them. And Father, every evil person that is trying to come into their life, you are diverting them out of their life and you are turning our prodigal children back home in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. Is that all right? Father, we thank you this morning for every child that is represented here by a parent, every child that's represented just because we are children. And Father, I thank you right now that your favor covers them right now where they're at. 
every attack of the enemy against them, we declare that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And Father, as we are children and we honor our parents, I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against anyone in here will prosper. Father, I thank you where any child seems to be uh, taken captive by anything or by anyone. Your word declares you bring back our children from those places. So right now, Father, we declare our children are free. Our children are free in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you our children are free. And there is no substance, there is no person that can hold them back from you. They can hold them back from your love. And Father, right now, we call in our children. We call them in. Father, I ask that you give, uh, that you would give weight to everyone's words in here again. Father, that you would give influence back to the parents in Jesus' name, Father. Give influence back to the parents that when we speak to our children, that they hear us, that they would hear us. And Father, again this morning, we thank you that you are careful to watch over every one of our children. You are careful to watch. We can't be everywhere at once, but you can be with them at all times. So Father, this morning we say thank you for your covering over them. And Father, we thank you for the anointing that's on them. We declare that they will be great and mighty on this earth. We declare that kings will come to them. We declare that men will give into their life. Father, we thank you that the blessing and the promise of Abraham belongs to them, that they will inherit the earth. And Father, we thank you that it will not be hard, that they will do it by your grace and your grace alone. And Father, I thank you that even though they have been called to be CEOs, they've been called to be owners, they've been called to be uh, businessmen, they've been called to be wealthy, prosperous on this earth. Father, at some point they will all declare the goodness of God with their mouth. They will declare the goodness of God with their mouth. So Father, we thank you that you are watching over them even now. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you just lift your hands? We went way overboard. <laughs> we went a little longer this morning, but can you stand and just lift your hands right where you're at?